Amen. All right, Second Peter uh, chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 to 15. This morning, God's Word says this, Simeon Peter, a, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says this, this is awesome. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, we could say goodness there, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love." For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. This is the word of the Lord. I came to the realization this morning, as a church, we'll complete kind of the the totality of Peter's influence on Christians as found in Scripture by working our way now through 2 Peter. Uh, Back in 2020, we preached through the Gospel of Mark, uh, which is more than likely the eyewitness account of the Apostle Peter. Uh, last year, we preached through First Peter, and now uh, we finish out this year preaching through uh, the book of Second Peter. The context of this particular letter is, is that the church is troubled at this point. Uh, Nero is leading Rome. He's the emperor of Rome. He's not favorable to Christians. He, he dislikes Christians and is a great persecutor of the church. False teaching is also invading the bride of Christ, pulling away its members, And Peter, the Apostle Peter, you can kind of hear it in the end of his address here in this passage, is nearing the end of his days on earth. He knows he's heading uh, to death. And he pins this last letter of encouragement with an eye to exhort the believer to hold fast to the foundation of grace established by our Lord Jesus, to resist the temptation of false teaching, and uh, once we get to the end of 2 Peter, to look towards the second coming of Jesus. I I call this sermon the good life because this passage aims to build upon the grace of God and and respond to our salvation by living a good life here on earth in this present time. I think we could also, just hearing uh, the heart of Peter, we could call it finishing well. We We see Peter finishing well in this letter. 
Peter's finishing the race well, exampling the good life all the way to the end. You see, he, he hasn't done this. Peter hasn't exchanged the, the apostle badge or the apostle card for an AARP card, has he? He hasn't retired to Florida to live out his days watching sunsets on the beach in, in lieu of advancing the kingdom. But we could advance the kingdom while watching sunsets. But rather, he's pressing into these final days here on earth to once again do this, to call Christians to keep going, keep pressing on, to finish well by living the good life here and now. There's a level of personal effort that Peter is calling the church and Christians to, which highlights our main idea. Our main idea for this morning morning is a quote from Jared Wilson. He's a, a pastor in the Midwest. He says this, the gospel is not opposed to effort, but to earning. The gospel is not opposed to effort, but to earning. Okay, We can't earn the gospel. It's, it's the grace of God that's been showered upon us. Uh, by definition, grace is this. It's unmerited favor. Okay, You can't earn it. You don't deserve it, but we receive it. We receive the grace of God through the message of the gospel. And now Peter is pushing us to respond to the beauty of God's grace. I think Paul summarizes grace and salvation and our personal effort beautifully in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, uh, when he says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we don't, we don't earn the gospel, okay, through our work. It's, it's grace through faith, and faith is given to us by God. And he says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So when we receive grace, then we work in a, in a good way. Our lives are changed. They're transformed. But even those, Paul gives us a glimpse uh, behind the scenes. He says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And with this in mind, we, we march forward, called by Peter as he inches towards his final days to build upon this, our first point this morning, to build upon a foundation of grace. Our salvation is founded upon the grace of God. And that's where we have to begin. And that's where Peter begins this letter, is to focus us back on the gospel of Jesus. We never outgrow the gospel. We just marvel at at the grace of God in the gospel each and every day of our life. Again, reading the first uh, four verses of this letter. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is amazing here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May it be made more and more known. It's part of the reason why we gather here on Sunday so that we can uh, come to know God more and more and that His grace would be multiplied within us. Verse 3 Uh, I want you guys to underline, this verse is so beautiful. If you have your own Bible here, underline this. It says, His divine power, hear this, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now, I want to pause there. It's kind of an interesting way of saying that. 
Uh, I want to be clear, it's not like we become little, like little G gods uh, taking part of the divine nature, but rather uh, what Peter is saying here is that by being partakers, we are reflecting our Savior more and more. Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, we were created back in Genesis in the image of God. What Peter is saying, you're actually moving back to what you were created to be, to be reflectors of God in his creation. That's what we've been called to. He says this, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful Desire. Family, you've been delivered from corruption, have been transformed to reflect God on this earth. Peter, again, going back now, Peter begins with the grace purchased for us, and it was purchased for us by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Grace and faith are the foundation of our salvation. When I was in high school, uh, the youth ministry that I was a part of, Every summer, we would, we would take an annual mission trip to Ensenada, Mexico. Okay? That's on, on the west coast of, of Mexico, on the Pacific Ocean. Beautiful little city there. And we would go down. There, there was a tribe of native people uh, that worked the farms primarily there. And we, they were incredibly poor and mistreated by uh, the Mexicans. And we would go down every summer and we would build a house for these native people that lived out in the land working the farms. Now, when I say house, I don't want you to think of like a house like we know it. It was really just like a 12 by 24 building with two rooms inside. And we would build a house for them. We would do this in five days. It was crazy. It was so much fun to be a part of this. And so uh, humbling to see the way that people live outside of the United States. And the most important part of building the house was what? Laying the foundation, right? And so on day one, we would mix cement and we would create a foundation. And I remember the missionary down there that, that was in charge of, of construction, he would just hammer us about the importance of a sound foundation, of a good foundation. Uh, we would have to sift the sand and try to get all the, the rocks out that could later on create cracks in, in the foundation and, and instability. We would set forms and we would level it over and over and over again to make sure that the, the foundation was level because if we put walls up on a foundation that wasn't square or level, things wouldn't work out, right? And it would leak and it wouldn't operate the way it should be. We would leave it to cure overnight, and then the next day we would begin uh, construction on the walls, building the walls. But, again, if the foundation was not correct, whatever we built on it was hopeless to last for any length of time. We had to get the foundation right. Peter is making sure we understand the foundation of our faith, which is the grace of God found through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter's laying the foundation for the good life in Jesus. And, and again, it begins with a message of grace, this great gift that the Lord has given us. And he's not left us to, to guess what our lives should look like after we receive Jesus, but has influenced us. He says this by his divine power. Now, that word power in this passage is the word that we get in, in the original language in, in, in Greek. Now, translated into English, it's the same word that we get dynamite from. Power. That's the kind of divine power that we have. But I don't want you to think of it just like a stick of dynamite that we light and it just blows things up, right? But a steady fuel, 
God is just a steady fuel. Uh, for our car guys in the room, like a, a, an internal combustion engine takes fuel, and then that powers the pistons up, up and down. It's a slow burn, controlled. That's how God's divine power is like. It's a steady fuel for us. And it says that this divine power, His divine power, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here's the simple teaching. Christian, you are fully equipped. God has fully equipped you. Because you're saved by grace, then there's, there's now, we've been fully equipped by God, we've been given His grace, there's an expectation of a response on our part. Okay, what's the response? The response is this. I'm going to give you three responses. These aren't in your notes. The, the first response is this. It's faith in the promises of God. Okay, how can we have certainty in the promises of God? We find certainty in the promises of God because Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's our confidence in the promises of God. What's the second thing? It's we have an effort in growing in the knowledge of God by the influence, it says here, of divine power. We just spent four weeks learning about the divine power of God. What's the divine power that we have? It's the Holy Spirit that indwells us. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And then lastly, Peter is pushing us towards a spiritual growth that reflects the image of God in the world. We're founded in our faith because of the grace of God, and then now we're, we're pressing towards our second point in this passage. Through His power, we are now doing this. We're building on grace. We're building on that foundation. Verses 5 to 11 I want you to notice these, these virtues that are given to us in this section. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Again, virtue is not a word that we use normally anymore. I don't really hear people walking around and saying, you're virtuous, okay? Usually you hear, you're good. When we think of virtue, we think of goodness, growing in goodness. Supplement your faith with goodness. It says, in virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with Here's this self-control and self-control with steadfastness. Another word that we don't use very often. When I think of steadfastness, I think of unwavering, or we can say it this way, like stick-to-itiveness, right? This made-up word, stick-to-itiveness, like stick to it, keep going. And steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. So now we're getting practical Okay, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so the expectation is that you won't remain idle, but that you're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks, this is the warning now, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Uh, when I lived back in Southern California, there was an ostrich farm across the street, across the highway from uh, our neighborhood. Ostriches have a peculiar thing that they do when they get scared. Do you know what that is? They bare their head, don't they? 
Man, you can't be any more nearsighted than that, can you? When you bury your head in the sand and there's just, you're completely blind because there's no way you can see what's going on. They have no idea what's going around. They just bury their head in the sand. That's what the kind of the picture that, that Peter's giving to us it says, having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, okay, because of this, Peter says, Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election to establish your salvation that has been found in you through the grace of God. For if you practice these qualities, the qualities we just listed, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you, this is a promise, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter agrees with our our main idea with the importance of effort in working out our salvation. Again, it said, the gospel is not opposed to effort, but to earning. We don't earn God's grace. It's a free gift. But we do this. We live in light of the grace of God by responding with, here's a quick list of those virtues again, with goodness, Okay, so striving to live a good, moral, upright life according to the standards of God's Word. Knowledge, growing in knowledge of Jesus. Self-control, okay, so not doing or falling into the, the former sins that we had before we were saved by Jesus. Steadfastness, again, stick-to-itiveness, right? Keep going, keep walking, keep holding fast to the Lord. Godliness, okay, keep reflecting God in creation, and then this kind of play, the next two play out within the life of the church. Brotherly care or affection, sisterly care or affection, and loving one another. Those are the marks of a Christian that is putting forth effort, responding to the grace of God that has been showered upon them. Our efforts should be fueled by the power of God, so the indwelling of the Spirit within us, the Word of God, prayer, and mutual encouragement in the life of the body of the church so, so that we may not fail to grow, right? Healthy things grow. So we not fail to grow. Peter emphasizes with the word increase, that they may increase. And so the, the challenge or the question presented to us by Peter is, are you increasing in these areas? Okay, and this isn't just to the, the newer person to the faith. Usually it's easier when someone's new to the faith, you see this drastic change in their life. Drastic growth in, in these areas of, of virtue and steadfastness and, and brotherly affection and love. But the challenge is also there. Peter's writing to a church, and we can assume that this church has less mature and more mature believers in there. So the challenge is there for the whole church. Mature Christian, this pertains to you also. That you continue to increase. Sometimes we can kind of hit, you know, cruise control in the car. You hit the cruise control and I'm just going. I'm not worrying about anything. Mature Christian, be encouraged this morning to increase in these areas also. And, and so the challenge is this. We do this sometimes when, when we listen to a sermon, we're sitting and we're thinking about somebody else, Right? I sure wish this person was here this morning so they could hear this. Or I wish this guy sitting next to me would hear this. Ladies, did you see the elbow there? I plead with you this morning, hear it for yourself. 
God has something to say to you this morning. Speaking to the the negative effects of not upholding these these virtues, this is where we we turn the mirror to ourselves, and and this is something that may be difficult to hear. I've I've pastored at this church here for, for three and a half years. I love this church, and I love you. I've also been out in the community getting to know people and meeting people, and for whatever reasons... It may be, I meet a lot of people that say, oh, I used to go to that church. Have you ever heard that before? I used to go there. And there may be a number of reasons why they used to go there. But we do, as as a congregation, we have to press into the Word of God and we have to hold up the mirror to ourselves and say, what do we own? Are we a church that is growing again in, in those virtues that Peter listed out? Are we growing in goodness? Are we growing in steadfastness? Are we growing in the knowledge of God? Are we growing in, hear this, brotherly and sisterly affection? Are we growing in love? Loving one another. So that the amount of people that we meet in our community is going to be fewer and fewer that say, oh, I used to go there. So let's continue. Oftentimes it's, it's the sin of idleness that keeps us from increasing. It's, again, the cruise control mentality. Like, we're good. We're fine. Hit cruise control. I'm good. I've done enough. We're never finished. We're never a finished product until the day that Jesus comes back or we meet him uh, through death. Don't be idle. Don't be unproductive. Paul exhorts the Philippian church in this way. He says this in verses 12 and 13, chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He's saying, I'm not going to be with you. So I can't be there to tap on your shoulder every time you're going to get into some sort of trouble. He says this, though. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Effort. Work. Keep going, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Practically, what do we do? How do we do this? Practically, we can do this. We can grow in what, I, what we call spiritual disciplines. Okay? Some of you are saying, like, like, spiritual disciplines are the least attractive thing, right? Well, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Richard Foster authored uh, a book called Celebration of Discipline. I'd encourage you to read that. Awesome book. And in that book, he develops three types of disciplines, inward disciplines, outward disciplines, and what he calls corporate disciplines or, or disciplines that we practice within the fellowship of the church. What are those? Just to break those down, I'll, I'll summarize them real quick. The inward disciplines are meditation, okay? So that we meditate and think about the, the words of God, the promises of God, the faithfulness of God. We meditate on the power of His Son, the reality that His Holy Spirit has filled us, that He's given us all that we need uh, for a godly life. We meditate on those things. This isn't a practice where we, we empty our mind, but we fill our mind with the knowledge of His Word 
and thinking upon uh, Jesus and his work. He, he says another one of the disciplines is this, is prayer. Okay, we push prayer a lot. Obviously, it's so important. Uh, praying, fasting, I could do that a little bit more, okay, both for my health and for spiritual reasons. So fasting is one of them. Study, the study of God's word. Uh, outward disciplines, uh, a life of simplicity. So living simply helps to keep you from being distracted and focused on God. Uh, times of, I want to I explain this one a little bit, times of solitude, okay? We don't live a, a life in solitude, but we, there are times where it's healthy to pull away and be by yourself. Jesus modeled this for us. Every time he would do a great work, he would withdraw from the disciples and the crowds, and he would usually go up on a mountain, and what would he do? He would pray, and he would have a time alone where he sought the Father, we should model that also in our own lives. We should seek out times within the rhythm of life of solitude. I think this is an area that we struggle with because here in America, we're constantly entertained and we have a, like a societal, almost ADHD. We need something going on constantly, but really what we need is a time to withdraw and be alone with our thoughts and be alone with the Lord. With the outward disciplines, uh, Foster also says service, to serve one another. Corporate disciplines would be these. Confession, okay? The confession of sin. We, we uh, exhort you, church, when we receive the Lord's Supper, to confess sin one to another. So confession, worship, it's the, the discipline of gathering together for the corporate worship gathering. This is what we're doing right now. We gather to worship the Lord uh, corporate dis- disciplines would be guidance, seeking guidance uh, from one another. And then lastly, I love this one, celebration. Just enjoying each other and celebrating what the Lord has done in our lives. These are ways uh, that we can build upon uh, the foundation of grace. Lastly, uh, this third point, we witness in Peter a man that is finishing with grace. A man that is finishing with grace. I'm going to throw some stats out to you. In the United States, uh, the average male has a life expectancy just under 80 years, about 77 and a half years, I think, when I pulled up the stats this morning. For females, it's a little bit over 80 years. I think it's about 81 years. So we can safely say about 80, right? I'm halfway there. Okay, Christian, here's the thing, though. We need to, we need to look at Peter and how he, we need to learn to finish well. We need to learn to finish well. We need to learn to finish better. My hope for this church is is that we example the great leaders of our faith, such as Peter. Peter knew the end that he was headed to. Jesus told him. Peter finished so well. This is amazing. He was so radically transformed by Jesus that when he was met by his persecutors, when he was getting ready to be put to death, he told them, he was crucified. He said, don't crucify me like my Savior. Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to die like Jesus did. I don't want to finish like that, per se, but I want to finish well. He knew death was near, but he kept at the mission of God. We have evidence right here in this letter. He says this in verses 12 to 15. Therefore, right, because of everything I've said, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. He's a good pastor. I'm going to keep telling you this stuff so that you grow. 
Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Some of you may sit here and say, man, you preach on the same stuff all the time. Okay, we're following the model of Peter here. We're reminding and we're remembering over and over the grace of God found in the gospel of Jesus. He says this, I think it right as long as I'm in this body. I love the way he says this, to stir, to stir you up by way of reminder, okay? To keep reminding you of the grace of God, to keep reminding you of the good life that we're called to. He says, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. He's coming to that point in his life where he says, I'm just not going to be here very long. I got, I got a little bit left in me. So am I going to retire and take it easy? He says, as, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, am I just going to take it easy now? No. He says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. I'm going to keep reminding you, and I'm going to put them in writing so that you can read them over and over and over again so that you can finish well like me. And so the question comes, what are, what are we doing to finish well? Okay, I've been hitting up the more mature Christians in the room. What are you doing to finish well? You are called by God to disciple the younger ones in the faith, to help them to grow. That's never finished. The discipleship process is go, therefore, and make disciples, teach them to obey, repeat that process until what? Until Jesus comes back over and over and over again. What are you doing to finish well? This trickles down to, to, the, to the younger generations too. What are you doing to finish well? Are you investing in those that are less mature than you? The, it trickles down. The reality is this. We've seen this play out in, in Europe. Okay, last week we prayed for uh, the church in Scotland, uh, a mission organization that we support, 20 schemes that's planting and revitalizing churches in Scotland. Scotland was once a, a great beacon of hope for the gospel. Uh, Christianity dominated the landscape. Great figures in church history came from Scotland. Now 2% of the population would identify themselves as Christians. Family, we are, if we do not carry forth this torch, if we do not walk in the way that Peter has, is explaining to us to continue to disciple and raise up and, and live the good life, we are one generation away from losing the Christian faith here in this country. This is urgent, and we have to press into this. We have to keep walking forward. We need to see clearly uh, the pathway before us. Peter knew his path. And he willingly walked it. And we can't lose sight of Jesus within this. Again, it's not just effort, 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 void of grace. We build upon the foundation of the grace of God. We remember these things. We remember in Christ that, that the judgment that we deserved, the condemnation that, that we deserved, that Christ took our judgment, our condemnation on himself. This is the grace of God. So that through faith in his work, we are, God commends us as if we did the work ourselves. Jesus was condemned through faith in his work. We are commended. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was already condemned in our place so that through faith in his work, we are not condemned. This is the message of the gospel. 
that Jesus came and he lived perfectly in our place. He perfectly fulfilled the law. God in the flesh, living in our place, and he went to the cross and he was condemned. He bore the full weight of our sin. He shed his blood on the cross and he died bodily. He was put into the grave. On the third day, he raised from the dead. Jesus is alive, family. And through faith in his work, he atoned for our sins. He covered our sins. He was condemned in our place so that through faith in his work, we can be commended. We put forth effort now to be commended by God for a life well lived. The judgment for those who have faith in Jesus is not a judgment for sin. This is good news, but for reward. And our reward in Christ will influence and enhance the way we experience the new heavens and new earth. And it's not just for a fleeting moment. It's for all eternity. Isn't that amazing? This is the clear path. And we all, just like Peter, we know our end. Unless the Lord Jesus returns in our lifetime, we're going to die in these bodies. And then at that point, we will be spiritually present with the Lord. But when we're present with the Lord, none of this earthly stuff that we worked so hard to acquire goes with us, does it? We don't get to hitch it up to the trailer on the back of the truck and drive it up to heaven. And so I want to spur you on with one last thing. Put your mind on eternal things, things that matter, rather than fleeting pleasure. We see the pathway forward. That's what Peter gives us. That's the example of the good life, of a life well lived. And so the the challenge for us is this. Will you carry out the virtues listed in this passage in your everyday life? Will you grow in goodness and in leading a good moral life? Will you build upon the foundation of God's grace by extending brotherly affection one to another and loving each other? Will you invest in less mature believers in yourself, discipling them? And will you do this? Will you learn from them as they learn from you? By this, it says, Peter says at the beginning, we are partakers of the divine nature. We reflect the image of God in creation. We reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.